Hey heroes, it's Tess. You may have noticed that our release schedule has been a little erratic lately. We have a crossover coming out that we're really excited for, but we're trying to make sure that our schedule aligns with the other podcasts schedule because it's actually in canon for both groups. So we should be back to normal sometime April-ish. But right now, please know that there is a reason for this, and I think you're really going to like it. So with all that said, enjoy the issue. Welcome to Moon Harbor Heroes. This issue is Legacies Issue 5, Light Years. The cover is a close-up on Prince Butterfly's eyes underneath his monarch butterfly-styled mask. Reflected in his eyes is a vast, starry sky, with a single spaceship cutting through it, leaving a trail of smoke behind. We turn the page, and our story begins. This issue opens on a flashback. This takes us back to Maximilian Myers, aka Prince Butterfly's past. And we see just kind of a chill, like, hangout session with the team. Max, can you introduce the members of your team and also, like, what your team is called? Uh, I think we are sitting in, like, you know those uh, gyms at, like, a rec center or a school that also have, like, a stage on one side but also a basketball court? Uh, it is basically that with just some chairs and uh, uh, pulled up around uh, a folding table. We see an editor's note that says the idealists who are, in fact, uh, the Praetorian, who is in a suit of Roman-esque armor, but is still like 13. Uh, there is Flutter, who is a speedster wearing uh, pastel pinks and blues. Uh, there is Auriga in a chariot that is made of constellations. Uh, they are clearly an alien. And finally, there is Ace, who is wearing a, uh, a bomber jacket with uh, playing card wings. And I think in this moment, we have Ace kind of like, I think teaching Ariga how to like play jacks on the ground. Mm-hmm. And Flutter's like drawing something. It's just a very casual chill kind of day not a lot going on not a lot of fighting just a moment of like the team being the team mm -hmm. and we get a couple panels of just like montage stuff of you all interacting not a lot of dialogue it's kind of in like a sepia tone because that's how flashbacks are shown nowadays and then we turn the page and we see Max waking up in his bed in C4. Uh, I think Max wakes up and like, like shakes his head a little bit, like clearly trying to like shake out whatever that was. And uh, he goes to pull out from under his bed that, uh, uh, that jar with the chrysalis in it and just like, Sits there forlornly looking at it for a while. And I think we get a pulled back panel of you looking at it. 
And then on the opposite page, we see Lucy. Lucy, it's pretty early in the morning, but also you're like the responsible one. Are you awake or are you still asleep? How early are we talking? I don't know. How early do you normally wake up there, Max? Probably like seven. He was a good Christian boy in the 50s. That meant getting up early, right? I would say by seven, she's definitely like up and like puttering around like glass of water making breakfast, but like not out of her pajamas yet. As you all are waking up and getting ready, Lucy's making breakfast. Suddenly there is a bright flash of red light and a loud, almost like electronic scream that fades into an alarm and a flashing red light. Something has made C4's alarms go off. Uh, I think it is jump into action time. I would imagine that, like, C4, at some point we figured out a way to, like, with the alarm system to, like, see where exactly the alarm was activated. Is there a way for me to go take a look at that? Uh, Yeah, so if you want to go over to the cockpit, it actually doesn't look like something triggered the alarm inside C4. C4 received a distress beacon from out in space, and it is reacting to that distress beacon. Uh, how far in space? It's in Earth's orbit, um, so, like, not ridiculously far. It's probably, like, a hour, hour and a half flight over there. So it's not anything, like, we can directly see? It's just a signal? Yep, you are just getting this signal, um, but there's no, like, message with it. It's just a, like, SOS. Question. Is this the first time the alarms have gone off, at least in a little while? Uh, yeah, probably. I think they probably went off a couple times as, like, the new people got used to the space and accidentally touched things they were not supposed to. But this is probably, like, the first serious one. Yeah, I imagine, like, at that point, it's almost like a, like a fire alarm system where, like, you could see where it was triggered in the building. So we would, like, know it would happen. To, it was, like, one of us. This is probably the first time it's been, like, an external thing, probably since as long as Lucy's been on the team, I would imagine. And Lucy, as you're looking at this, Max, you do make it out to the, like, cockpit living room area. Uh, I think Max is, like, stumbling in, doing the hopping, trying to put on the the little Robin shorts thing. Like, scrambling into costume. And Lucy, the alarm still hasn't stopped. Like, you now know what's causing it, but it has not turned off yet. What's going on? It, It looks like it's picking up something, like... In space? Not far, but in space. Nothing's happening in here. I think we just get a panel of Max's face being like, no, it couldn't be. Well, I, I, we, we should check it out, right? Like, who else has a spaceship? Yeah, I guess. Um, and then Lucy will probably, if I'm assuming that C4 has some sort of like autopilot that can, we can set our coordinates, it can go. Uh, where it needs to go, and she's going to work on shutting off the alarm so it's not, like, teeth rattling. And basically, once you put in that autopilot, the alarm stops. Like, okay, we're responding to this, this distress call. We now do not need to, like, react too much anymore. Yeah, I think at this point, Lucy will, like, scrub a, a hand up and down her face, and it's like, all right, good morning. And then she goes to her room to, like, get dressed to face whatever this is going to be. Uh, I think Max, not knowing how long it'll take to get there, just sort of stays at the control panel. I th- Actually, as Lucy is walking out, we probably get one of those things where like a speech bubble is like floating in from off panel saying like, by the way, breakfast is ready. Help yourself. Is is this a time for breakfast? 
<laughs> I just give up. Like, I'm like, how mom do we want to go here? As mom as you want. Your playbook is basically the mom. So. Yeah. It's the most important meal of the day. <laughs> hey, uh, Max, how you feeling right now? Uh, mostly angry and hopeless. How are you feeling with this particular situation? I think it's akin to someone who's just seen a ghost. Of somebody they knew. And we get a panel of C4 leaving Earth's atmosphere for the first time. We saw it leave with Vixen and Lynx in a non... uh, An issue that wasn't published, like, in our regular line. Like, there was, like, a special Vixen and Lynx honeymoon series. But we haven't, in our lines, seen C4 leave atmosphere. Not since it was an Asteron ship. That is true. And C4 leaves atmosphere, and, like, it goes from being, like, kind of wide, large spaceship to, like, becoming sleek and aerodynamic. Your rooms all probably get a little bit taller and a little bit, like, narrower. There's definitely some, like, furniture that, like, condenses and gets knocked off walls and stuff. As that happens, there's like a little bit of clattering and just general chaos. And uh, Lucy, I'm going to have this happen right as you get into your room to change. And uh, you step into your room and your room starts to get taller and like your bookshelf starts to like slide across the floor towards you. It's not dangerous. It's just like things are falling off shelves and it's a little hectic. Counterpoint. Lucy's the kind of person to follow Ikea instructions to a T. That thing is attached to the wall for tip over. That is fair. <laughs> so like, I'm, I'm perfectly, like the bookshelf might be like clattering around, like sliding and things might be falling off, but the bookshelf is on the wall. I think the way it works is like, as the ceiling gets a little bit taller, like the bookshelf is now like hovering a couple inches off the ground because it was bolted to the wall, but the wall like grew. So, like, it's still not going anywhere, but it's not on the ground anymore. Spooky. Okay. But again, it's bolted into the wall. It's not falling at this point. Question for Lucy. Would Calvin be the kind of person who would, like, spend the night with you every so often? I think he would stay over because <laughs> I want to see this reaction. <laughs> but yeah, I do, I do think that they're at the point where, like, he will occasionally, like, he will, like, end up hanging out so late that they just fall asleep. And Calvin is definitely still asleep in your bed as, like, things start sliding. And, like, the bed also, like, lifts slightly off the floor because I think the bed is also bolted into the wall. Can I also make a suggestion? Mm-hmm. If, it, if the room is also going to get, like, narrower, the bed is probably going to shrink and Calvin is not short. <laughs> so all of a sudden it's just, like, a foot is up against the wall. Yeah, I think the furniture doesn't shrink, but I think it tilts. Like, it tilts to accommodate the now narrower floor space. And so Calvin just rolls off the bed. And he's like, what? What's happening? Good morning. We're in space. The ship's doing something. It's early. Um, is it like, I have to take care of it? Do we have to, like, hold on? And he, like, gets up and goes over to his bag where he definitely has the Crunch Captain costume. And he's like, okay, just, I need 
four minutes to get on the costume and brush my teeth. I mean, same. I don't think we're going to be there for like at least 45 minutes. We, you, you slept through an alarm signal. Um, we're going somewhere in space. I don't know. Max is up. If you're hungry, there's breakfast. And I think that they're, they're both just kind of like sleepy and like moving around each other trying to get ready for the day. Yeah, I think if he knows you're not going to be there for a while, he doesn't put on the like full costume. He just like wraps the cape around him like a blanket <laughs> and like stumbles out into the hall and goes to get breakfast. And he like walks into the kitchen living room area and he's like, morning, Max. Can I can I make a ridiculous suggestion? Absolutely. <laughs> Veronica has made him themed pajamas. So it's like his costume, but pajamas and the cape. Oh, my God. That's very good. <laughs> this is why we have our costumer friend. We need a costumer NPC always for this. Mm-hmm. It is the best decision we've ever made. He is wearing uh, like gym shorts that have like CC one on each leg for Crunch Captain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a like matching T-shirt. But uh, it's like the like his logo, the full logo, not just the letters. And then it has a mini cape sewn into the, like, neck of the t-shirt. But he has also now wrapped his cape around him. I also feel like he only wears those when Veronica is not around because he doesn't want to give her the satisfaction. <laughs> oh, 100%. And he, like, walks up and is like, Max, is there coffee? Uh, yeah, um, I just finished making mine here. Let me make you one. Cool. Good, good to know. Sport. I'm sorry, I don't know how to interact with children. Um, champ, what's a what's a good word? What do I call you? I'm not a child. I mean, you're like 12. I'm technically like 70. Champ. <laughs> Can Lucy walk in on the standoff? <laughs> yep. And like, Calvin, if he was awake, would probably have better retorts. But it's just like, I... Okay, Grandpa, can I have a coffee, please? You got it, kiddo. And, like, with his eyes barely open, he just goes and, like, stands next to Lucy and just, like, puts his head and way more of his body weight than he should onto Lucy's shoulder. Yeah, Lucy's not tall either, so it's very funny. No, and he's very tall. (laughs) I think at some point she, like, guides him over to, like, I want to, like, oh, I'm assuming we have, like, a stool at, like, a breakfast bar island kind of deal. And she'll guide him over to go sit there and his, like, head's down with, like, one arm outstretched and eventually just a mug of coffee is slid into his hands. (laughs) Nice. And he's like, okay, so what's happening? We're in space. Wait, we're we're in space? Why are we in space? There was a distress beacon of some kind. Um, I don't know. The alarm went off. Uh, got nothing else to do today. Might as well check it out. Also, that alarm was loud. I'm very surprised you slept through that. Yeah, that that's honestly kind of impressive. I mean, I heard it, and then I figured if it was important, someone would tell me. So I just kind of went back to sleep. That speaks a lot about my survival skills. Yeah, uh, the alarm is the thing that's meant to tell you that it's important most of the time. Okay, but, like, I've lived in so many places where the fire alarm literally doesn't matter, so, like... What? Yeah, Max, if you've never lived in a dormitory at your first year at a university, the alarm goes off all the time. Who is letting this happen? I need to write a letter. No, because, like, sometimes people will, like, microwave their weed. Or burn popcorn really badly. (laughs) Or, like, put 
plastic ramen containers. Or foil. Yeah. And these people are in college? Yeah, the, the really fun ones when people get intoxicated and just set the alarm off at one in the morning the night before finals. He, like, sits up to have a sip of the coffee and then immediately, like, puts his face back down on the counter. Uh, it has so much cream and sugar. Like, possibly more than coffee. I think that's also how Calvin takes his coffee. I was gonna agree with that. <laughs> like, I think this is his perfect cup of coffee. Excellent. Where I think Lucy probably takes it black, like, Calvin is like, I don't want to taste that there's caffeine in here. <laughs> After a moment, he, like, sits up and looks out the window and is like, oh, we're in, like, space space, huh? Yeah, that's what going to space means. Yeah, I think that's why the, the bed, like, tipped you out of it. Because I think that there's something happened with, like, the ship where it seems to have, like, changed how it's, like, configuration for better for space travel instead of, like... A, a house, I guess? Wild. Yeah. I haven't been to space in ages. You've been to space before? Yeah. Uh, back back when I'm from, there was, there was an alien on my team, so we went to space sometimes. Question. Did Lucy know that? I mean, I think it's, like, there for you to have found out. But, like, he's never mentioned it before. Very possibly with your degree... Because it was in uh, Superhuman Studies, right? Oh, yeah, Superhero. I wonder if she had read about it, but never put two and two together until now. It's very possible, because we were, like, the first kid team. I, I think I think it's... She had probably read about it before, and, like, Calvin also would have, in theory, too, because that's how they met. Um, but I don't think that she, like, put two and two together about, like, oh, that was you until now. Mm-hmm. This is, like, half the fun of The Innocent. <laughs> Calvin probably should have known that. He's barely awake. Mm -hmm. He's also not nearly as good of a student as you are. Yeah. At some point we gotta figure out the logistics of like, what is he doing <laughs> once she left? That's a good point. He's being crunch captain. That's true. God love him. <laughs> and he's like, wait, okay, so space, what's it like? Like, did you fight some like robots, some aliens? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And then he pauses and he's like, Cataclysm crew has also fought robots and aliens. I feel like this isn't actually that exciting. Well, yeah, but did they do it in space? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Touche. I mean, it's basically we, uh, we, uh, we hopped in the chariot and we went to a different planet and then we fought somebody there. I don't even remember why. I think they were ransoming the moon. I don't remember. No, that's not, that sounds about right. <laughs> At that moment, the, I'm going to call it a radio, though it's basically just like a receiver in the cockpit, like crackles to life. And you all get this like really staticky, hard to understand SOS message now that you're closer to it. And it's like, ship invaded, crackle, crackle, flying, crackle, crackle. Unable to crackle, crackle, SOS, crackle, crackle. Uh, Calvin, I think you should go finish getting dressed. Calvin has shook the sleep out of his eyes and, like, bolts out of the room to go get dressed. As you all hear that message, you all can see a asteroid field. Like, nothing too major, just like a cluster of asteroids vaguely in orbit around Earth. 
Like, it's pretty far out, but it's still, like, within Earth's orbit. And in it, you can see what looks like another Asteron spaceship. Uh, the Asterons, for people who may have not read earlier issues of Moon Harbor, uh, they are a race of aliens. They have white skin and often multiple limbs, so that's not always the case. Like, multiple, like, more than four. Um, they are very long and lanky and have red eyes and really cool advanced technology, including semi-sentient spaceships, like the one that uh, our team is currently flying. And there is another Asteron ship in the distance, in that same, like, black, sleek metal look, with a red light flashing on the outside of it. I, uh, I, I, I think that's it. I'm trying to come up, figure out if Lucy's going to say anything here, and I don't know if she does. I think she just kind of looks at it. And Calvin comes back out and, like, crosses his arms and stands with you all. And he's like, so the Asterons are, like, generally bad guys, right? I mean, they invaded Moon Harbor, but also I remember them, like, we kidnapped one of theirs or arrested one of theirs. So, like, that started it. I don't actually know where they land. Yeah, I'd say we should stay on our toes, but... For all we know, it's other people with an Asteron ship like us. As you're all pulling up to this other spaceship, a, like, docking bay comes out from the side of it. And this hadn't been there before. Like, you all had entrances and exits on C4 to, like, the roof and such. But there was never a, like, hey, this can connect to another spaceship kind of place. Huh. That's weird. Considering how the, the ship just transformed to be in space, I'm frankly not surprised. You know what? That's fair. And it pulls up next to the other spaceship, which also like grows its own like docking bay out of the side of it. And the two pieces like connect. So now there is ostensibly a tunnel connecting the two ships. And are they like enclosed because space? Uh, Yeah, once it connects, like... You can tell pretty definitively, like, it seals. I guess, should we go and see where this new docking bay goes? I don't know. I I, I don't know what to do, but I would rather us go to them than them, them come to us. Yeah, I mean, if somebody needs help, uh, we, we probably need to go to them. All right, let's go. And as you walk into the docking bay, your side of it is all lit up and, like, red lights, but nothing like emergency flashing. Once you hit the, like, midway point where the docking bay starts for the other ship, the lights are, like, red and flashing and flickering, and there's, like, a little bit of, like, smoke and or steam in the air. Well, this should be fun. Yeah, what what could go wrong? Not spooky whatsoever. And the three of you head into this dark, flashy, spooky ship. Yeah. It is not laid out in the same way that yours is. Like, you know the cockpit is probably going to be vaguely near the front. But while it was a pretty straight shot from where the docking bay was to your cockpit, this is more, like, tunnel-y and mazy. It's very much like what C4 was before you all tailored it to fit Cataclysm Crew slash Legacies a little bit better. Is there, like, a, like debris on the ground and stuff? 
Not at this point. Okay. Any noises? So there is like a faint like emergency sound, like a, a again, an alarm, but it's off in the distance. Um, but if you want to find out if there are other noises, if there's anything else going on, if you want to go ahead and roll and assess the situation for me. I will do that. I was just checking my modifier. That's a 14. <laughs> on a uh, 14, you're going to ask two. What here is the biggest threat? As you look around and notably above you, the red flashing lights are reflecting off what at first looked like just pieces of machinery. But as you look closer, they're moving a little bit. And it's actually like hundreds of scale-covered creatures. They look like bats, but with four wings. And they are covered in this, like, iridescent, shining scale. They're roughly the size of, like, a bat, but, like, a large bat. And again, there are hundreds of them lining these hallways. They are not attacking yet. But they are very clearly not supposed to be here. How can we best end this quickly? Can you clarify the this Because you could go to, you know, attack the bats. You could go to, like, get the people to help or get the people who called for help to safety. So clarify what you're asking there. I guess part of what I, like, the question within that question is, like, how can we, like, navigate these hallways without alerting the mechanical bats? (laughs) That's kind of what I meant by that. Mm -hmm. If you notice the wiring on the walls all seem to lead into one direction. They're coming from a bunch of different like rooms and hallways, but they all converge into one hallway. So like if there's one wire down five different hallways, they all converge into one hallway with five wires. So if you follow the predominant portion of electrical devices, uh, that will lead you to the cockpit. Yeah, I, I, Lucy's not going to say anything, but she's going to, like, wave her hands and alert the other two, point to the wires, and point in the right direction, and, like, motion for them to follow her, to follow the wires. Nod, nod. Calvin follows. Of course he does. He listens to everything Lucy says. That's true. He's my NPC. <laughs> <laughs> Mom said it's my turn with the NPC. <laughs> <laughs> and you all are going along. And come out into a rather large open chamber, which bears a strong striking resemblance to the, like, C4 living room. Where the cockpit in C4 is, like, connected to the living room, the cockpit over here is sealed off. So you, like, from where you are, can't see the front of the ship, or the cockpit, or who is in the cockpit. But you come to this large open space with tables and chairs that have all been, like, overturned. And above you and around the walls are these sparking wires. And again, the room is in this, like, flashing red light. Are the ceilings and, uh, and halls and walls still lined with bats? The 
ceilings have some bats on them, but it's not nearly as like crowded as the hallways were. Any signs of life other than the overturned furniture? You have heightened senses, so go ahead and roll to unleash your powers to uh, extend your senses to see if there's anyone else or anything else in this room. It's not going to be as good of a roll, I'll guarantee that. (laughs) Nope, I mean, it's an eight. I'll take that, but that's a negative modifier, but I'll take an eight. Cool. Uh, Do you want to mark a condition or have it be unstable or temporary? I'll mark a condition. I'm going to mark afraid because this is very spooky. And you do see it moving through like the shadows and like hiding behind the tables. There is a, I'm going to use the word person, though they are definitely not human. And they're not hiding behind the tables in a like scared way. It looks like they are preparing to ambush you all as you're coming out of this door. Lucy's going to turn and make direct eye contact with that person. (laughs) And that person jumps up. And we see a figure that we've just seen recently. This is Ariga, which is the alien who was on the idealists with Prince Butterfly back in the past. They are an adult now, and they still have the like constellation super suit on. Um, it is still like blue and purple predominantly, except the stars on it are like swirling and moving. And it's like the stars on it maintain the position of the stars in the sky. So as it moves, as they move with it on, like the stars basically rotate around them. That is incredibly cool. They are pretty tall at this point, like seven foot-ish. They have dreaded hair, though it's probably not like dreadlocks in the same way that like people on Earth have dreadlocks. Um, but like hair in that kind of lock pattern. And notably, now that they are a little bit older, uh, they have two eyes on one side of their face and one eye on the other. And they step up and in their hand is a glowing ball of solar energy. There's a ring on their hand that is clearly like charging it, but they basically have a mini sun that they are prepared to throw at Lucy. Awesome. Do I recognize that this is Auriga? Do you recognize that this is Ariga? I'm not sure, because that's that's a big change, right? Like, I definitely recognize that it's a member of of her species. Uh, by the way, with the editor's note that introduces Ariga, it says Ariga, uh, it says any pronouns, because pronouns are a human concept. And, like, I definitely recognize it as one of their species. I'm not sure I recognize it as them. That's fair. So I think I'm just going to dive and try and uh, get Lucy out of the way. Go ahead and defend for me. Okay. Just barely. Just barely. That's seven. So you're going to go ahead and keep them safe, and then you're going to choose one. So you're going to add a team to the pool, take influence over someone you protect, or clear a condition. Uh, I think I'm going to clear angry. That feels right. And then do you want to expose yourself to danger or escalate the situation? Uh, I think I expose myself to danger. You knock Lucy out of the way, and that ball of solar energy hits you right in the side. And you go, like, sprawling backwards. Can you take a powerful blow for me? Uh, yeah. That's gonna be an eight. Awesome. On a seven or nine, choose one. I think I'm gonna lash out. 
and I'm going to try and provoke Crunch Captain into doing something. Uh, so I think I'm going to say, after I get, like, flung across the room, I'm going to say, uh, All right, champ, it's your turn. Go get him. Go ahead and roll to provoke for me. All right. That's going to be a 12. Crunch Captain does it. Without any second thought, he sees the, like, little brother of the group, who also is the grandpa of the group now, I guess, get hit. And almost before you say anything, launches towards Ariga. And he tackles Ariga, and the two of them slam into the wall. And you all hear, above you, what sounds like gears grinding together. Damn it. As these bats either awaken from their slumber or notice you all and start to like turn. And again, they've got four wings and now you can see they have like talons as well. And they start swooping down. Ariga and Calvin are still wrestling, grappling, pushing each other up against the wall and like trying to like fight one another off. I don't know that they notice that this is happening. I think at this point in the middle of the chaos, Lucy stops and she just kind of yells, you're the one, did you send the distress signal? We're we're responding to the distress signal. We're not here to hurt you. Go ahead and roll to provoke. That's a 10. Aria looks up and sees the earnestness on your face, looks up at Crunch Captain and then like unclenches her hands from like Calvin's shoulders and like puts them up in a sign of like, Okay, I surrender. And then one of the bats, which again is not huge, but I guess very strong, comes down and grabs Calvin by like the collar and yanks him up into the air. Oh no, you don't. Lucy is flying and trying to pull him back down immediately. Awesome. Uh, Go ahead and roll to defend for me. Would it be weird to take a move called Parental Instinct on... (sighs) My in-game boyfriend. What's the move say? When you defend someone that you care for, you may also trade blows with their attacker on a hit. No, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, okay, that, I just, that makes sense. And I, I figured it made sense, but it felt it felt appropriate to use parental instinct on everyone but Calvin. But I'll use it on Calvin. Why not? Yeah, he still is someone you care for, so. That's a 13. You're going to choose one. So add a team to the pool, take influence over someone you protect, or clear a condition. Yeah, I'm going to clear that condition. I don't like having conditions. <laughs> Fair, so you're no longer afraid? Yeah, I think the seeing how easily she was able to wrestle Calvin from this bat's grasp, she's like, oh, we can take these. Perfect. And you and Calvin go, like, tumbling to the ground. And it's not that you pulled the bat off Calvin. It's that as you grabbed Calvin to, like, pull Calvin back down, the bat came with it. And this one just hits the ground. And, like, explodes in a shower of sparks. She's going to call it to the rest of the group. Hit the bats. Hit the bats. They explode. Hit the bats. And as you say that, a bat comes down and rakes across your back. Can you go ahead and take a powerful blow for me? It's a five. Uh, (laughs) So mark potential and then tell me how you weathered that blow. I I think she just kind of, like, grits and bears it and is, like, adrenaline's pumping. She's like, we'll deal with that later. We just got to keep moving. There are too many bats and too few of us. Awesome. And Ariga, like, yells and, like, gestures for you all to go to the, like, door on the opposite side of the room. 
where based on the layout of your own spaceship, you all know the cockpit is. Let's go. I don't want to be in this room anymore. Yep. I think in the background of several panels, we've just seen Prince Butterfly picking up whatever he can and just like swinging it at the bats, mostly ineffectually. I have a feeling Calvin chucked a stool at some (laughs) point. We love our himbo boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Prince Butterfly, there's a moment where you are running towards the door swinging and you don't see a bat swooping in. But Ariga jumps in front of you and like knocks the bat aside. And they turn to face you and make eye contact with you directly. Mm-hmm. And their eyes widen. And in the middle of this chaos and these space bats swooping down, they say, Max? Oh, good, it is you. Come on, let's go. I think you're gonna have to, like, pull them into the room. I, I think I do. And yeah, you all end up in the cockpit. And in the cockpit, there is an Asteron. Uh, also uses they them pronouns and they are short for an Asteron uh, though they're still pretty tall like Asterons are usually about seven to eight feet tall this one is like six three uh, and they are sitting in the cockpit with like hands on controls trying to get the ship to do anything and they look back and they're like are you all the people who came in and docked the ship yeah that was us did you seal off your ship before you came into ours look at lucy sure didn't nope because we didn't know about the the bat problem till we already were on here okay um well and they like press a button to show a heads-up display of the ship's like alarm systems and they're like well if you look uh all of these spots are spots where the bats are currently feasting. And you can see it's basically all the hallways and, like, every room but the cockpit and the engine room. Of our ship or their ship? Of their ship. Every bat that you saw on the ceiling was feasting on electronics. I see. Our ship isn't gonna be salvageable. We've already transferred the consciousness to a drive we just need to get out and make sure that your ship doesn't get destroyed in the process. Oh, by the way, I'm Stasis. Hi, I'm Max. Flyby. And Arigo looks at Max and is like, how are you here? How are you a child? That is a very long story that we do not have time for right now. Max, you you, you know them? Yeah, um, Ariga, this is Flyby and Crunch Captain. Uh... They are my current team. Ariga is from the old school team. Oh. Yeah. Did you get de-aged? Because last time I saw you, you were an adult. Look, again, long story, long story. Yeah, I, mm, he's still around. We're going to talk about it later. Right now, we need to get home. If if y'all don't mind, can we put a pin in this conversation until the, the bat situation is dealt with? Yeah, I'm I'm with Flyby on this one. And Ariga looks at the two of you and is like, okay, um, yeah, so few points of concern. And he gestures towards herself and is like, a huge part of my body is technology. So the bats are very interested in me. We have to get out of here safely without them following me and or us to your ship. 
And Stasis clears their throat and is like, that might be more of a problem than we anticipated it being. And they point at the heads-up display. As you all can see, these swarms of bats moving through the hallways towards the docking bays. Is there any way for you all to seal off the the path of the docking bay right now and a way for us to get it open again? I don't know. Maybe. It would depend on how messed up the technology is. Uh, let me try. And Stasis starts, like, typing and messing with, like, levers and such to try to seal this docking bay off. And it does not go well. Like... They press a button that, like, you can tell should do something, and it just fizzles. All right, about how long do we think until the bats start heading, get to the docking bay? It looks like there's already a bunch in that area, um, but to stop, like, full infestation, you've probably got four or five minutes. All right, we can work with that. Ariga reaches down and starts grabbing, like, weapons of all kinds. And as they are grabbing these weapons, like, their body essentially starts making holsters off itself. And not, like, in a, like, a disturbing, like, body horror kind of way. It's just, like, they go to put a gun at their, like, hip and... It just kind of, like, sticks. And, like, you can see, like, the skin, like, holding it in place. And they're just arming themselves toe to teeth. Promise this question has a relevance for the way to get us out of here. But, like, is their skin, like, sticky? Or is it just, like, the nature of the weapons will just stick to them? It's not sticky. It's prehensile. So it is manipulatable. Because I have an incredibly stupid idea that just might work. <laughs> it's my favorite kind of idea. I love myself a good stupid idea. We're worried about Ariga getting snatched because they're mostly technology. Um, and so we think the bats are going to go after him if, if, if we do that. So if we were... Because <laughs> Lucy has like a Mary Poppins pocket for everything... If we were to somehow make Ariga slippery, would it mean that the bats can't pick her up? That is a great question. And I don't know that you'll know the answer to that unless you try it. Yeah, because I think Lucy might turn to the group and is like, all right, preliminary plan. We have about four or five minutes until the bats get over to our ship. And this is a, this is a complete disaster. So it seems like our biggest thing is that the bats try to pick us up, which like, I'm speaking from experience, ouch. Uh, they're going to try to get a Riga, which is not good, but they do like they do like technology. So if there's a way we can take stuff, throw it to distract them, and run, we can get there. But I am a Riga. I am worried about you. And, and then I think she goes into one of her packs and pulls out a tub of petroleum jelly. She And she says, but I have an idea. Ariga's eyes widen. And he's like, okay, we'll try your plan. And he looks at Max and is like, so is this your team leader? I mean, she's certainly the most competent among us. There's some debate about that right now. She shoots him a look. Look, I'm on your side, but there is a debate. You can't deny that there is a debate. Right now, let's you know what? Let's continue this debate once we are out of this hell bat hole. Absolutely agree. <laughs> and Ariel looks between the two of you 
And you can tell that they want to say something, but then she bites her tongue and is like, okay, whatever you say, fly by, I will listen. And I don't think we're going to see much of the planning planning. Uh, so what I am going to have you do, Lucy, is roll to unleash your powers. Uh, before we get to that, could I have uh, a little scene as we're petroleum jellying Auriga? Yes, absolutely. We see the next panel is Lucy, Calvin, and Max all like, putting petroleum jelly all over Ariga's skin to, you know, make sure that the bats hopefully slip off and cannot pick her up. Calvin is very uncomfortable. I think everyone is. That is fair. No one's idea of a good time. Well, no one here at least. (laughs) Uh, And Ariga looks at Max and is like, so we want to hold off and not discuss this, but how are you doing? I'm I'm doing okay. Uh, what what happened to your chariot? Cause like, couldn't we just use the chariot to like bust through a window and get us around to our ship? That's actually one of the reasons I'm heading to Earth. Oh, or was heading to Earth. It it was taken. Oh no! And I have a feeling I know who has it. All right. Well, we're we're gonna get it back. One would hope. If we get out of the situation alive, then yes. Hey, hey, what's that if? We've gotten out of every situation alive. And apparently some of us have gotten out of situations alive twice. Again, long, long story. Answer me this. Are you a clone? I don't think so. Okay. If I'm a clone, I'm a magic clone, not a technology clone. Okay, then that's good. We don't have to cover you in this gunk as well. Wait, are clones made of technology? I mean, I don't know. Some are. I guess those are more androids than... Regardless, it is good to see you, old friend. It's good to see you too, buddy. Or young friend. Look, we've already had the the young old conversation once today. This little whippersnapper and I elbow Crunch Captain uh, tried telling me that I was the kid. Crunch Captain starts to protest and then is like, you know what? I don't get paid enough for this. I don't think he says it out loud, but that's very much the impression that he's giving off. I have Speaking of Crush Captain, I have an idea for like funny background art in the background of all this conversation is happening. Absolutely. I love yeah, that. I, I think he, like Crunch Captain's got like a, a handful of petroleum jelly and he's just like slathering it on uh, their, their like shoulder. And you just see him just like do a little smiley face in <laughs> the petroleum jelly. <laughs> oh my God. I love him so much. And that's very good. I, I I feel like he got bumped mid-smiley. So it's got like half a mouth. It's The mouth is kind of squiggly. Oh my god. And Stasis comes over, and they have a, a drive that is roughly the size of like, like a dictionary. Like, this is the drive that the ship's AI was uploaded to, but it's not a small drive. And Stasis is like, I have been with this ship since decades ago when I left Asteron. We need to make sure that this gets to your ship safely as well. Can do. Is that going to be something the bats are going to want? Well, it is essentially a block of computer. So probably. Out of character. We're talking dictionary. Are we talking like pocket dictionary or like reference shelf dictionary? Like, classroom dictionary. 
So like kind of in between. Yeah, I'm asking because I'm trying to decide if she has a pocket big enough for that, but I don't know if she does. I don't think you do. Yeah, thought I could cheese my way, but nah. That'd be like a backpack pocket. Got it. Okay. Stasis looks at everyone and is like, so I am by nature a pacifist. If you all can keep me undercover, I can get to your docking bay and seal it off. I can do that from the docking bay without you all needing to get to the cockpit. We just need to get me there. We can do that. Okay. Is Ariga already? I, I think so. I- I'm out of petroleum jelly, so they've got to be. Yep. Ariga looks down and is like, I've got a fair number of weapons. Does anyone need anything else? And they like pull open a drawer and there's like a laser sword, which we've seen like the Asterons use before. There are several like solar pistols. One like weird looking orb that might be a grenade or might just be like something you can blast energy from. You all don't know. It looks just like a glass orb. I think if nobody else takes them, uh, Prince Butterfly is going to grab an armful of them. Ariga looks at you and cocks an eyebrow, but doesn't say anything. These are tasty, tasty treats that will get them off our back. Smart. Stasis starts handing Calvin, like, the monitors of computers and, like, just chunks ripped out of the, like, cockpit, out of the bridge, out of, like, the button that opens the windows. Just, like, handing Calvin, like, piles of technology as well. And then they press the door and open it. And that said, I think this is actually a really good moment to enter Battle Against Dangerous Foe as a team. So uh, who is your leader right now? It's Flyby. It's Flyby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. Flyby, do you have influence over everyone in the team? We're not going to count Ariga and Stasis as people who can spend team in this. Yes, I do. Does any member mistrust the leader or the team? Nope. Again, Ariga and Stasis aren't going to count. And last but not least, are you all ill-prepared or off-balance? No, we knew exactly what we were dealing with here. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So that is going to push us up to five team there. And you all step out. And it is quiet. When did you want me to make that roll? Now is a good moment to do that. Yeah, let's go ahead and see how... uh... Oh no! (laughs) What's a six? Prince Butterfly, um... You did help Lucy get the petroleum jelly all over Ariga to protect them. Uh, so if you want to bump that team up or bump that six up to a seven with team, you can absolutely do that. I very much would like to. Uh, that puts it at a seven. So on a seven, it can be unstable or temporary or you all can or Lucy, you can mark your condition. This feels like a dramatically appropriate moment for it to be unstable or temporary. <laughs> cool. <laughs> And you all step out into that main area. And it is quiet. Like, the bats must have chewed through something to the alarm system, because the alarm system isn't even, like, ringing anymore. The light is still doing, like, a slow flash of red. But other than that, nothing is moving in here. It is just silent and still. Under her breath, Lucy is going to say, well, at least we can hear them now. And you all do know, like, you basically have to follow the path back that you were taking. So through these, like, narrow hallways. So first you just gotta, you know, cross the big open space here. Before we cross the big open space, I think Lucy's going to make a motion for Calvin to 
throw a piece of technology off to the side of the room. So if there are any bats, they will hopefully flock to that, not to us. He does it. It clatters. And with ridiculous speed, a swarm of bats from up on the ceiling rush down towards that, like, browser, like, monitor, whatever Calvin just threw. Lucy screams, run, and takes off. Everyone else runs with you, I assume? Mm-hmm. The bats that were, like, in the swarm see, again, the arms of technology and Aria and start to follow. I'm just dropping something occasionally. Yeah, I think Calvin is going to, every, like, few feet or so is going to turn around and just, like, throw a piece of technology behind the group. I'm not taking control of this NPC, but he's kind of my NPC. <laughs> um, and, and I think it's the idea is that, like, he's either going to hit something and make one of the bats explode, or it's going to be, like, another breadcrumb for them to follow instead. They are definitely getting distracted. As you all get into the hallway, it starts getting narrower and narrower. And the bats above you in the hallway start swooping down and attacking. And, like, they are grabbing at hair, grabbing at arms, just, like, generally trying to pull you all up off the ground to, you know, examine for technology, devour whatever you have, that kind of thing. Max, do you still have that laser sword? Uh, I sure do, and I would like to start cutting with it. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like we need to start swinging that thing like a machete. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, Max, go ahead and roll to directly engage a threat. All right. I would love some assistance. That was a six. I mean, I have an idea for kind of like a silly, goofy like thing that might be kind of funny, but I don't know if it'll put you in more danger than it's worth. Uh, well, I'm certainly not going to choose resist or avoid their blows, so do what you gotta do. I'm just trying to figure out like the best, because I'm like, Lucy's at the front, Max has got this laser sword, how can she help him? Well, actually, maybe what she'll do is she'll let him go to the front, so that way he has more exposure to the direct like barrage of, of bats. Uh, so that way she's not in his way anymore. Let's go with that. And that bumps it up to a seven. So uh, Prince Butterfly, go ahead and choose one from that list. Uh, I'm going to create an opportunity for my allies to get the heck out of here. That feels appropriate. Mm-hmm. And you come to an intersection as you're just cleaving through bat after bat after bat. Again, machete style, like clearing a pathway. And you all know that like, down to the right will lead you to the docking bay. And there's a pretty big opening. One of the things that's causing that opening is a larger one of the space bats, like larger than one you've seen before, comes down and drags Prince Butterfly in the opposite direction, like down to the left and away from the docking bay. And Prince Butterfly, uh, as it drags you away, you do drop the beam sword. That's fine. Lucy's going to see this and then yell at Calvin to get the other two to the docking bay. And then she's going to peel off and pick up the sword on the way and see if she can't rescue him. Uh, Calvin definitely takes stasis. Ariga is on your tail, though, Lucy. I, I, won't, I won't complain about the help. And Ariga's hands light up again with that like solar energy from the ring and starts blasting at the bat holding Prince Butterfly, but also like the other bats as well, trying to clear a space for you to get closer, Lucy. 
Yeah, I'm gonna, as soon as I can, as soon as I have an opening, I'm gonna swoop in and try to grab Max and maybe stab the thing for good measure to see if it'll let him go. Go ahead and roll to directly engage a threat to see if you can take Max from them. That's a nine. Cool. We do still have three team in the pool if you want to bump that up to a ten, or that can be a nine. I think I finally get the uh, the momentum to, like, swing a foot up and around to just connect with, like, the chin of the bat to stun it long enough for Flyby to get a good hit in. Flyby, you cleave this bat right in two. It explodes into mostly sparks and such. You can tell it's kind of the same way as, like, the Asteron ship, where it's, like, mostly technology, but also a little bit organic. Uh, but Max is free. And was it just the big bats, or are there still other little bats going on? There are still little bats going on. Uh, so you got that one option to uh, take something from the big bat, and you get a second option from that list as well. I think I want to create an opportunity for my allies because I'm going to start swinging the laser sword around to see if I can't clear a path to help us get out of this hallway and back on track. You and Prince Butterfly have an opening. And? You and Prince Butterfly have an opening. (sighs) All right. I think as Lucy sees an opening, she's going to take it. I'm not leaving without Ariga. Do you know that Ariga followed Lucy? I assume I could see the blasts of light. (laughs) That's fair, yep. Arika is not with you all. It's, it's not just that like they're they're battling the bots, they're just gone. They may have been dragged off, they may have been dragged up, they are just not within eyesight. Lucy stops and turns around as soon as she sees her figures out she's not being followed. Uh are there bats around us currently? They are around you, but like they're not super interested in you. Okay. Because you don't have a lot of technology on you all. Yeah, I think I've just stopped and started shouting for Ariga. You hear like a muffled cry down a side hallway. Uh, I think I just start darting in that direction. Lucy will follow. And you all get to the... What longtime readers will recognize as like the Asteron cell block. Ariga has managed to close themselves in one of the cells and seal it. So, like, they are injured, but not, like, fatally injured. And, like, there are dozens of bats just slamming into this cell. I would like to swipe at them with a sword, please. Go ahead and roll to defend for me. Because these things are likely going to break through the barrier there. That's a 10. Perfect. On a uh, hit, you're going to keep them safe and choose one. I'll add a team to the pool. What does it look like as you clear the space for them to get out. I think, like, she's just gonna, like, be whacking at all the bats, like, like with the sword, like a machete, until they're all cleared out. Uh, so that way, it can, it will, we'll have a moment for it to be safe before we've gotta go back into the fray. And Ariga comes out, and you can tell that she's bleeding from, like, a couple small wounds and, like, a couple small bite marks. But they are not, like, down for the count. They're just injured and will need attention after this. Lucy's gonna look at them both and say, I have an idea, stay close to me. Um, And the idea that I have is that we've now got quite a ways to get back with the rest of the group, but it seems like we've taken out a decent number of these bats. So what I think Lucy's gonna do is she's going to fly over the two of them as they're all running back towards the rest of the group. And she's essentially going to be acting like a bat windshield wiper for all of these bats <laughs> with the sword. 
amazing. I'm thinking like, you know, like the bubble, like the force field scene in The Incredibles, like that, but with a, with a sword and bats. I'm going to call this a defend again. Hitting me. That's a five. You all are running through these hallways, doing an incredible job getting through. Like, the way is clear. You all are almost there. And you make it into this docking area. You can see that there are a few bats on the other side, but for the most part, like, Calvin is beating them back while Stasis is, like, using the technology to prepare to seal the ship off. And you all make it into the first docking bay and are running down. Lucy is covering the way. But behind you is a swarm of bats. And right before you all get to the, like, point where it will seal off, where your ship starts and their ship ends, you hear a slam as one of the bats catches Ariga's leg and starts pulling them backwards. Uh, I think I immediately grab their hand and start dragging them forwards in tug-of-war with the bat. Yeah, I think Lucy's going to reach down from a flying position and also do the exact same thing. Stasis looks at you and is like, I already pressed the button to seal it. It's going to close any second. Yeah, and we're going to be on this side of it. Lucy's going to turn around and start hacking at the bats with the sword. And behind you, it seals. And you can hear Calvin pounding on the wall. Yeah, I was going to say, we have a man with super strength. He's not going to be very happy about this. No, Calvin is displeased. Uh, But now there are just hundreds of bats around you all. Swarming down at Ariga, swarming down at you all. Trying to rip that beam saber. Lucy's also still injured. (laughs) Prince Butterfly, what do you want to do here? I think I want this to be the first place that people get a flash of the monarch man inside the Prince Butterfly. As he just gets angry. And he just starts ripping at these these uh these bats. Like grabbing a big one and chucking it at a bunch of little ones. Like he does not look like a hero right now. And I assume that that's a directly engage. Yeah, go ahead and roll to directly engage for me. That's going to be a 10. Cool. Uh, Choose two from that list. Uh, Let's see. I think I would like to impress, surprise, or frighten. And I think I would like to take the room from them. Like, drive them back. Perfect. Yeah, you are clearing the way. It is getting opened, and these bats are getting tossed back and ripped to shreds. You stay away from my friends! And as the room is basically cleared, Ariga looks up at you, and their eyes are filled with fear. More afraid than you've seen on any mission, more afraid than when the bats were attacking it. She is terrified. Can you take a powerful blow for me? Absolutely. That's gonna be an eight. Cool. Uh, Go ahead and take one from that list. I think I'm just going to mark two conditions. That feels right. What do you mark in? Uh, Insecure and guilty. Would we call that winning a victory at an enormous cost? Yeah. Ariga is terrified of you. Yeah. You're like one primary connection to the past that you had just gotten back 
you've definitely lost in some capacity. All right. In that case, I have struck through a circled item. That means that uh, you can now, or now have to, replace one of your basic moves. Or, you know, become an NPC antagonist if you want to jump there. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think we're there yet. Uh, so you can replace comfort and support with coldly dismiss someone. You can replace defend someone with aggressively defend a large group or area. You can replace provoke someone with threaten someone. Or reject someone's influence with spit in the face of guidance or influence. I'm kind of between coldly dismiss someone or aggressively defend a large group or area. Aggressively defend feels like what you just did, so that does feel narratively appropriate. Yeah, I think that's the one that I'm going to go with. We see a fundamental change in your face for a moment, Max. Yeah, he he looks older. Like, he hasn't physically changed, but he looks older. At that moment, you hear a, like, creaking behind you as Calvin, with his super strength, starts tearing a hole in this, like, seal there. And it's basically just large enough for one of you to fit through at a time. That's what I figured. I think, I, I, I is, is Max kind of, like, in a trance, kind of, like, like, staring at the bats, staring, and just kind of, like, breathing? I, I, I've, I'm, I'm picturing him, like, just kind of standing there, like, breathing heavily with, like, a very intense look on his face. Yeah. I think she's gonna... Like, walk over, shake his shoulder a little bit, try to snap him out of it, and be like, let's let's go, come on. And Arika definitely is going to need help, like, getting through the hole there. Yeah, I figured Lucy was going to send Max through first, and then help Arika through, and then she was going to go through last. Max is not leaving the ship until Arika is safe. Alright, then Arika goes first. Yeah, get, get them in. I'll hold the door. And Arika gets through. And then get off the ship. Yeah, the three of you get through fine. Um, Stasis is panicked, trying to figure out how to, like, seal off that part of the ship. And then Stasis is like, okay, um, second plan. We blow up our ship. That works. Let's go to the cockpit. And I think Lucy starts to walk, but I think she kind of has to lean on Calvin a little bit because she's, like, hurt. <laughs> Yeah, let's uh let's let's get out of here first though. And we see Calvin like bend the ripped metal of the seal back into place to at least stop the bats from really breaking through. And the five of you head to the cockpit. And the ship does disconnect itself and like reseal up. You all can see like in all the windows of the other ship just dozens of these bats like devouring and sparks flying and it is chaos in there and it doesn't need to like get blown up because it just starts to like crumble and just like fold in on itself as these bats are just ripping it apart and the five of you are in your like cockpit living room area several of you are bleeding profusely and everyone looks a little worse for wear. And there's a moment where Ariga goes to talk to Max and then looks at Lucy and is like, I believe that I need some sort of medical attention. Uh, would you be able to help with that? You and me both, my friend. Come on. I think she'll probably 
wave him over to... I'm sure we have, like, an infirmary of some sort, and we will walk over to that room. Yeah, you have a medical bay. That's where you kept Alan when, you know, he was in a coma. Yeah, we will go there. And we get a panel of the two of you flanked by Stasis and Calvin walking to the medical bay. And then the next panel turns back to Max. Max, what does your face look like right now? I think it looks just kind of blank. Like, we got through it. That's about it. Uh, I think we see uh, in another room the, uh, the chrysalis start to crack. Thank you for listening to Moon Harbor Heroes. This issue was GM'd by Tess Huth, she, her, who can be found on Twitter at Tessatrix. Flyby was played by Jane Berry. Jane, she, her, can be found on Twitter at Jane-Tarzan. Lady Rosewing was played by Elliot Peterson. Elliot, she, her, or they, them, can be found on Twitter at Elliot Yulen. That's E-L-L-I-O-T-Y-L-E-N. Prince Butterfly was played by Crumpet. Crumpet, any pronouns, can be found on Twitter at The Crumpet. That's T-H-E-C-R-U-M-P-I-T. Shava was played by Alex Catherine. Alex, she, her, can be found on Twitter at Alexy Galaxy. That's A-L-I-X-G-A-L-I-X-Y. Takanja Red was played by JPG. JPG, he, him, can be found on Twitter at SpeakerJPG. That's the letters J-P-G. Tiger was played by John John Johnson. John John, they, them, or he, him, can be found on Twitter at Burn John John Burn. That's B-U-R-N-J-O-N-J-O-N-B-U-R-N. Moon Harbor Heroes is produced by Tess Huth, Icy Sheets, Elliot Peterson, and Crumpet, and edited by Tess Huth. The music in this issue was written by Tess Huth. Moon Harbor Heroes is traditionally played using Masks, A New Generation, written by Brendan Conway and produced by Magpie Games. Our logo was designed by Beautiful Beasties. She can be found on Instagram at beastly.doodles or on Patreon at patreon.com slash beautifulbeasties. If you want to get a hold of us, email us at moonharborheroes at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at moonharborcast. If you enjoyed this issue, please leave us a review on your podcatcher of choice or tell a friend. Five-star reviews and word of mouth are really the best way for us to keep bringing these stories to more people. And thank you for helping us save the world. We'll see you next issue.